Good afternoon. Welcome to the next episode of Adam Asks. I'm um, delighted to be joined by uh, Nick Entwistle. Good afternoon, Nick. Hello. So Nick is the CEO or founder, or CEO and founder, of um, Bank of Creativity and One Minute Briefs. Can you tell us a bit about, about them and what inspired you to, to set them up, please? One Minute Briefs over the past few years. Well, to be honest, One Minute Briefs initially started as a, as a small university side project a number of years ago. It was a case of we had a load of time on, we had a load of time on a brief, like a, almost like a seven week university brief. And me, me and my friend who, who set it up initially, we just decided to do this one minute brief at the time. Didn't know what one of those was. We set ourselves an advertising brief. You've got one minute to come up with an idea for it. We found that although some of them were quite funny when we were doing them, we did them more and more, you would actually, a lot of the time, come up with a really good idea. And it was quite liberating, even though you'd been giving yourself a constraint of one minute thinking. Yeah. So we did this more and more and then took it to Twitter, which generates, when when we started posting our ideas, we, you know, we have one like, one one follow, every now and again but then when we opened it up to do a brief of the day every weekday it became a thing that people started to get involved in and because people are tweeting to us with their submissions they're also tweeting to their own followers it was never intended to be a business uh, even though we didn't realize it at the time those people tweeting to us and going to their own followers who were then retweeting and sharing became the social community it is today yeah uh, and we're now um, at 20 just over 21,000 followers on Twitter, uh, and we've got quite a lot of followers on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, so yeah, it's all about creative thinking, but it's developed into the point where it's become a community, it's become a platform for creative thinking, people to generate their portfolios, give each other advice, and also to meet up, because we do uh, annual events and meetups in between. So that's sort of one, where One Minute Briefs naturally organically grew into a commercially viable option for brands and causes Great. as well. Because of the reach it has, let's say we get 100 entries in response to a brief at the start of uh, a day. That's being retweeted to 21,000 people every time. So that's 100 times 21,000 potential, potential reach. Yeah, it's huge, so isn't it? It's, yeah, it's absolutely huge. And, and I think that's why there are certain, you know, we're working with certain brands like KFC and we've worked, we've been worked, working on trending hashtags uh, like Valentine's Day we did with KFC. Uh, we're also able to do it with some great causes uh, and charities, which I think we'll talk about uh, a little bit later on. But that's also quite a niche thing in the industry. And what I wanted to do last year, because I've always run one minute briefs alongside my day jobs as creatives, uh, going on to a creative director as I've gone further in my career. There's no doubt that that's helped my career progress at quite a quick rate. So being a creative director uh, came at a, around, well, it came at the age of 26, which is, is quite young for a creative I director. Definitely really. say so, yeah. Um, I practiced the, the the way of using one minute beast in my day-to-day -day thinking. So I do think it improves your creative thinking, but I also so think... Just, so for those listeners who aren't au fait with it, so yeah. tell me how it works. What, so you think of something at the start of the day and just tell me, tell me what, what happens and that, what, the, what the net result is. It was always to create an advert for something. Let's say, I mean, today's brief is Yeah, give to, us an example. What's, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's out there today? To, uh, today's brief is to advert, 
I don't know why I thought of this one, but advertise wheelbarrows. <laughs> so uh, it's it's just a fun one. Quick one minute ideas. People do tend to, you know, people Photoshop them up sometimes, but you can tell when people spent longer on the actual idea itself. Yeah. Because more often than not, if you start to overthink or, I mean, we all know in, in general day-to-day work uh, in the advertising world that you need to, a lot of the time, you have to add websites, or have to add body copy, things like that. But what One Minute Beast is all about is that core thought. And the re- I mean, that's the reason why some of these are actually winning awards in not just OMB awards, but winning awards on a national and sometimes international stage. Because, I mean, if you look at the stuff that's winning it, at the likes of Canon and uh, Dean Ed, it's always a beautifully simple yeah. graphic or bit of copywriting. And I think One Minute Beast, even though it's we're asking for quick ideas, it's uh, that actually helps you come up with better ideas yeah. as well. But yeah, so we'll uh, we'll we'll post a, a tweet out at the start of the day. That's our pin tweet, and then people respond to that throughout the day. I will then retweet throughout the day. So an average of probably 80, 80 entries a day, sometimes upwards. I mean, I think the most we've had is 400 in a day. That's the only job in itself, though, isn't it? It is, on yeah, top of all that. it is. And, and it became, I mean, like I say, I've used it as a, it has been a, a thing that I've worked on on the side. Yeah. But it is now a case where, well, last year I decided to make, move into just purely having this as a business alongside the bank of creativity stuff that I do. But I was I was fifty uh, fifty, literally on having Bank of Creativity website and and a one minute briefs website. Like you say, it's a full time job even to just run one minute briefs in its own right. I also run agency quotes as well, yeah. uh, and, and a couple of things, and I also run meetups and things. So I also needed to try and streamline what I was doing in life, my business model that I was go- going to go into through the Bank of Creativity. I want to be an advertising agency. Mm-hmm due to other factors in life, didn't want the, at this current moment in time, the overheads and the responsibilities of staff, etc. at this moment in time. Um, because in certain ways, it's not been the best year, even though this has been the, on a personal level, even though this has been the year I've moved into my own business. So yeah. it's been a bit of an awkward time in that respect. So the bank of creativity model I actually wanted to, even though One Minute Beast is bigger, I wanted to put One Minute Beast underneath the overarching Bank of Creativity idea. So I put the One Minute Beast thing into that website so it's not got its own website. That was probably quite a big decision, really, and we'll see see whether that works along the line. But I think it's the right thing because now I can put all my other sub brands yeah, underneath. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Um, and we've got you know stuff like merchandise and things. But Bank of Creativity... I want to be not an advertising agency, I want to be an actual community. So on uh, meetup.com or .org or whatever it is, I've got these things ongoing and they naturally get people in the area. Just it's literally getting people together. Great. So what comes off the back of that, whether it's, um, I mean, we do one minute speed networking and that works very well because you don't waste half an hour speaking to someone that you don't need to speak to, <laughs> you that can then after that go and come go yeah. back to speak to them. But yeah, it's just generally getting people together and I'm going to try and add one more city to it every single time and see how we can grow that and, and see whether it works and do that every two months. Uh, and then what we can do is build up an even bigger community than the followers on Twitter to 
potentially work with those people if and call upon those people as designers, creatives. There have been people like glass painters show up and or graffiti artists. What an eclectic mix set of people. Yeah, like you've, it, you've, you've have come together off the it, back of your ideas. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's, how it's far great. and wide? How, how, what, what countries in, in the world are, are people part of the, well, the group? I mean, just looking at the people that enter the One Minute Beast stuff, it's my mum that does the Google map thing. She's yeah. got a map that she keeps putting points on for, from people that enter it. And there are literally people entering right across the world. Did you ever think it would have this this kind of reach when you, when you said <laughs> no, that? No, no, never. I mean, it, I think that's why it has been successful is because it was never intended to yeah. be a business or it's never intended to be this community. But it's great that everyone's part of the bank of creativity and and no one has a hierarchy in there. I think that's quite important as well. Yeah. Um, I would just turn up at these events or even one minute briefs. Like when people come to the events, it's not... It's just us all having a laugh together and, and people become friends right across the world. And people actually fly into these events. Brilliant. And what have been some of the, the craziest kind of ideas that have, have come up off the back of it? Uh, that, you can share, that, you, that you can share with us? I mean, I obviously follow you on Twitter and see some of the, the great stuff that's shared daily, but have you got a, like a top three that, that you can articulate that, that, that I guess the listeners will be able to understand? Or I think some of the ones, I mean, when we're doing, doing things with with brands, we've seen stuff for, uh, for dental companies go on to become on billboards. I think it's not necessarily ideas themselves. I do an, I do award an OMB of the year every year, the one that won this year uh, by uh, someone called Abby was for Superglue, and it just said "Good luck trying to get rid of this ad" on the on the poster, and it was in a bus stop. <laughs> so it just naturally. Yeah. You know, that simplicity of thought is what OMB is all about. And I think, but there's so many in the shortlist for OMB of the year. Uh, but also the ones that that get picked up, some some of them, we've done some stuff with the drum, we've worked with Ranking, a famous photographer on briefs this year. We've got into, you know, like New York Times on certain briefs. Uh, it can have, I mean, Daily Mirror, we're in the Daily Mirror uh, with something we did for, for doing, I think it was Valentine's cards for, for people of that have been have bereaved loved ones, and that was picked up in in the press itself. So I think it's it's nice when people do pick it up and recognise that we are having this huge reach. There are certain elements of the industry that don't like what we do because it is it is one minute and we're almost. Some people see that as, you know, probably devaluing, devaluing it, yeah, devaluing yeah. the craft. Uh, and people have every right to think that, and that's absolutely fine. I personally, like I say, I use this as a tool to actually come up with ideas. I will come up with a hundred ideas before I come down to one, two, or three, mm. uh, and just delete. Uh, some people will come up with one di- idea in a day, a killer idea. So people do work in different different ways, but I'm a I'm an advocate, and I te- and you can see it when people and the, the people that enter the most on OMB are the ones that win the most because they've improved and they've built portfolios and things off the back of it that have actually got people jobs as well. I would say, yeah, it must help their career. Right? Yeah. And I guess the fact that there's no, there's, there's no barrier to entry as well, so anyone and everyone can get involved regardless of who you are, what age you yeah. are, where you are in the world, and you can just throw your hat into the ring. And I think that's what's nice about it. I mean, join the community. Uh, Alina, she, she's, uh, she was a college student and has just got into university and she's now, I think she's got her own own uh, 
book that she's created and but she's got involved and she beat people in this particular brief like and she's beaten people that are creative director level and big people in, in the industry and her, her idea is as valid as anyone's I think the non-hierarchy thing is really nice about OMB uh, because in the industry itself sometimes as a, as a junior you might not get listened to I do find that lack of hierarchy and point of entry like you say is one of the key reasons why people love it and and also it's a break from people's days sometimes as as creative people we might not always be doing a great post or something sometimes we've just got to get through a load of stuff on the day or amends or the main thing at the heart of it is that it's fun and that's why it's yeah. built up this community that's brilliant that's brilliant yeah. and there's obviously you've, you've had a number of successes with it but i just wanted to talk about a key moment in your life um back in in 2015 and Quite inauspicious day, actually, Friday the thirteenth of Feb. Can you can you sort of let us know what happened? Yes, um, yeah, I can. So just, just a tiny bit of background, just slightly before this. I think it was around March or May time. I was due to have a one minute brief event in Birmingham, and I was also freelancing at McCann Birmingham at the time. So I was living in a hotel, basically down there each week, travelling back and forth trying to fill a nightclub of people in Birmingham, which in hindsight, most of the audience, the biggest side of the audience is in London, uh, as well as you've got a lot in Manchester and a lot split across like US and things like that. But there is a big hub in London. Me trying to help all of the followers try to do it in Birmingham, to have it central to everyone, yeah. which probably wasn't the best idea really. And I was um, putting myself under a lot of stress. I also created a one minute brief football team which I had to come back from Birmingham on the Friday, as well as ring up everyone. People start saying, oh, I can't make it. And everything was a, was a big stress at the time anyway. Came back, uh, did this football team, and was playing in the MPA football tournament as a one-minute brief team against certain agencies. Got to the final, which I was pretty happy about. Uh, I, was, I was obviously, especially if it was OMB, I was yeah. really... Close the final? Did you win the final? We lost the final. <laughs> You've admitted that. Yeah, we, yeah, we got to. Yeah, well, yeah. we got. Uh, I think we got beat three 0 But in that, in the final, they were sort of, we got beat by Mediacom. You're not, you're not forgetting that, are you? No, I'm see, not, I'm not see how you yourself. I know, I know one of the guys who plays for Mallow, who is the other team, uh, the team I play for. Uh, he was at Mediacom, but they've got a, a load. They've got a big agency, so yeah. they've um, they've got a lot of people to choose from, and they were just a great team. But in the match itself, I remember, because I was running around like mad for all the other games, trying to score score goals and all this. And I remember in that game where I just looked around and I just saw these people passing the ball around me. And I felt odd. Felt, yeah. it, I felt weird. Not just because they were doing it, I thought I'd be pretty helpless here. They were just banging goals in. Um, but I felt a little bit spaced out of the time. It was when I got into my car. I was living in Macclesfield at the time. Uh, and this tournament was in Manchester. It was quite a far drive home. But as I get in my car, I had this horrific pain in my chest as I was going to my car. Uh, and I was also starting to get a pain down my right arm, like an ache, like an aching mm. sort of pain like it. But I got in the car, you know, I thought I'm unfit. We just played a tournament in quite, it was quite hot in there. I was also in a in a convoy with a few of the other lads and, and people like waving waving out the back and stuff. And, but I was not in the mood to mm. have a joke whatsoever. 
because I just didn't didn't feel good at all. I just thought, yeah, you know, I'm unfit. I'll, I'll try and I'll just try and get home. And driving through past Stockport, and all I could see, all I could see were Stepping Hill signs. <laughs> I've never, you know, you never notice them ever yeah. until you, until you, like they're almost like zoomed into me as, as I'm as I'm driving. Two weeks earlier, my one of my main football coaches from when I was young, he was only, I think he was only 50, had died at the wheel of his car of a heart attack just two weeks before this. I was thinking about that. So it must have been, it must have been in my mind that... But I never thought this, this was uh, any, anything worse. Yeah, so I'm carrying on in, in, in this pain. I, I drove past Stepping Hill, but as I'm getting through into points and getting home, I'm like, I must be having a heart attack here. I was trying to put my arm out the window in my seatbelt moving around, but I thought about getting an ambulance, but I thought, no, I just need to get home. So, so I do get home and then I'm pretty much crawling into my house with all my bags and stuff and just thinking I'll be all right. And one of the things that people laugh at is the, is that I took two Rennies and thought that that'd sort me out and I had a shower. Yeah. Briefly for a moment, the shower felt okay. Lay down on my bed to try and just wish this thing would just go away. You know, I think this is just a bad bit of pain. Uh, to the point where I thought, you know what, if I sit here, I'm just gonna die. Mm. And I knew at that that point, is that's when I rang my mum and who doesn't live nearby. I just rang her and it went to voicemail, of course. Oh no, sod's law. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I rang her and said, what, I said the symptoms of it, that's all I could say. And I knew she'd know. I said, I've got horrific pain in the chest, down my right arm. But at that point, because I knew that this was serious, I said, if anything happens, remember that I love you. So at that point, I obviously thought that I might be gone here. And so so then off the back of that, I rang someone to, to come and get me. Went to hospital very quickly and I was and I was put into, I think it was the resus unit or, or something that they put me into very quickly. And yeah. I'd, I'd had and was having the whole time I was driving home. Probably you 45, were having a second while you were driving home. Yeah, 45 minutes. The whole time it was happening. You were joking. And you were 26 at the time, weren't you? Yeah, 26. I mean, that was that was one of the reasons why I didn't... If I was a bit older, maybe I'd think, you know what? Yeah, but 26, you're, you're a fit lad, playing football yeah. week in, week out. You wouldn't have ever thought. And did the... Obviously, you've, you've recovered, which is great news. What, what yeah. did the doctors say caused that? I was in the hospital for a bit of time. I think they were taking it quite particularly seriously because of because I was at a young age. They're asking me all sorts of questions about my lifestyle choice and things. The thing is, I turned up in jeans and a jumper, and I was like, I've been playing football. Yeah. And they kept asking, "Say, are you sure?" Like they kept, I, "No, I've been home and had a shower." And I just uh, think certain things they didn't believe me. Going in on a Friday night as well, they're asking me certain things. But um, I said, no, I've been playing football. I play football every week. I said my diet's not been great because I've been freelancing in Birmingham. So, But they said, we're not worried about that at all. So anyway, they kept doing all these checks. They'd found, I was seeing it actually on screen whilst they, 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 they slit my wrist, basically. Yeah. And going through your arm, uh, pump die through you. And they'd seen a breakage in my main artery going out right at the branch where it goes out. So it's quite potentially quite severe. A breakage in my artery, which had caused the blood to clot to it, which was trying to save me. 
but it was also trying to kill me at, mm. at the same time. So then I was on some intense blood thinners and, and medications for a while whilst in hospital. But in a way at the time, hospital gave me a complete break from the bad stress I was under. Mm. And, I, and I do think that stress caused a, a factor in, in this as well. Yeah. Have you had any repercussions since then? There was a time when I was getting a lot of palpitations, probably last year. And I was very worried about it. It was happening a lot. And I went to get an ECG. I have had some heart pains every now and again, but it's very sometimes it's very different to know whether that's a heartburn mm. or anything else. So it just stops you in your tracks. Yeah. And you get told to cough as hard as you can if that happens. Or you have a, you do have a spray if it happens. I've only ever used it once, and I used it within a week of when it all happened. Yeah, and I was at home. I didn't probably need to use it, but. And and how often do you look back at that episode and think that you were very lucky to actually survive that, and you, you couldn't actually be sitting here? Is that and what impact has that had on your, I guess, day to day perspective and outlook outlook on life? I think yeah. I mean, very lucky, you could say. I mean, I I could quite I should have stopped at Stepping Hill. I probably shouldn't have even got in the car. Yeah. I probably should have said to my mates, look, this is... But at the time, I just thought it'd probably go away. You don't think that, do you? Yeah, Yeah, it'd probably go away in five minutes. But uh, I think the way it's affected affected the way I think is that I thought work-wise and the the way I would approach things, that was a big part of my life at the time because I was freelancing. But I came back with a mindset that I won't accept being in a job I don't like or be in situations I don't like, and I'll get out of them just because, in a way, life the sort of life's too short. Mm. Cliche. I mean, that's why I'm, I made in the transition that year when I first got back into the industry. I mean, I spent a long time resting between, but I was also freelancing, so I didn't have any. I wasn't having. Any, I didn't have any income, so that was a bit of a worry. So I did need to get back into it. So I did do some freelance, and then after. A project uh, that went quite big. That company took me on full time, and I said, "I want that. To, I want to be the creative director, mm. and I want to oversee things." And I almost, I think I was going to be called head of creative. And I said, "I would if I'm going to do this. I want to be creative director." So at 26, coming out and sort of saying that is a bit, a uh, bit of a statement. So it gave you a new lease of life then. That, that sort of near-death experience. Kind of, yeah. And I think you do come out of it quite positive and you don't mind putting across your views. And if people don't like it to a certain extent, it doesn't matter because you, yeah. you've got something to stand for. And I think that's what's helped me in the last year to just go out there and we aim, with agency and the sort of bank of creativity. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, no really, really interesting to, to hear that. Thank God you're still sitting here with me today. Thank you very much. Um, on the flip side, obviously earlier that year, obviously you, you went through that, but I'd say on the flip side, later that year you had some big success, didn't you? Um, on a creative level. Can you can you share with us what that was? Talk us that story. Yeah, well, it was actually uh, the story I've just mentioned where I went in freelancing at a company. I'd worked at the likes of uh, McCann Manchester and and other agencies as a creative so I dipped my toe into film and things but I was offered this freelance role at a film company and one of the first things was the CEO's brother was a doctor in the NHS who was campaigning 
against you know government cuts at the time. So we just wanted to just sort of support him with a, a nice little, a nice little film that sort of raised morale for the NHS. You know, says something nice. We had the one minute brief platform as well. So I said to uh, said to Simon, I said, let's why don't we start this off as a one minute brief and see what happens. So we opened it up to the community and said, share some ideas with us. It could be made into a film uh, celebrating the NHS, and obviously, pretty much everyone loves the NHS anyway, in one way or another. So we had loads of entries. And then one of them, uh, by a guy called Stephen Hunter, was the the actual sort of script of it was for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. The NHS is always there for us, and it was a really nice little mm. script idea. So we said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make this. Uh, but that JPEG alone had, I can't, I'm sure it was something stupid like half a million views or, or something. Yeah. Or fifty. I might be exaggerating that. It might be fifty thousand or something. <laughs> uh, but anyway. it was big, yeah. And and one of the people or group of people that seen it with the NHS choir and said, "Actually, we're doing a music video." So we said, "Yeah, of course." You know, that went that went a little bit bigger in terms of scale of production. We got a few people involved, and I went down and directed this music video in London. And actually, I mean, I actually saw some very difficult moment for me because it because it happened they always happened in the same year as the the heart thing. I actually saw someone die in front of me of a heart cardiac arrest yeah, as we were in there. Because Oof. yeah, that was different. I mean I walked away from it and you know it's bad for anyone to see. But we just happened to be there at the time. The look on the doctors' faces and the care that people were putting in was in the video. Obviously we couldn't show certain things. We just happened to be there when this thing mm. happened. But that re- real reaction and real care from people in the NHS is the reason why the music video became very powerful because the emotion that was in Well, the raw emotion, yeah. the, the reality of, yeah. of what they do day in day out. Of what yeah. they're doing. And, but we also had people in sort of rehab. We had older people just doing sort of like dance or sort of yoga moves together and laughing together and we caught all those things so Amazing. it caught every type of thing that you could imagine in, in the nhs there were people the ambulances the at every level children doing building blocks they might have cancer and things like that in the scripts we knew what we needed to get but then everything fit together the nhs choir we filmed those guys as well and we had the cold play fix you track mixed with a bridge over trouble water and Everything went together and it had that had millions of views uh, in its own right. But yeah, it escalated. We did another social campaign that was led through one minute brief. Do you love your NHS? Say I do. We asked people to hold up things saying I do, like in relation to the wedding vows. It escalated to the point where it was on Holly Willoughby, Phil Schofield, Chris Evans on the radio. Celebrities were starting to do it and we had no chance at the start and suddenly we were overtaking one direction. Louisa, who just won X Factor, we're overtaking <laughs> her in a live chair, and suddenly it starts to get really quite real. I bet you were pinching yourself at this time. Yeah, I couldn't believe what was what, <laughs> like was, going what on. was going on. Yeah, I mean, we were only meant to do a little film. Yeah, and so suddenly we're neck and neck with Justin Bieber at the top of the charts. <laughs> and, Tell and, me you beat him. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me well, you went to number one. Well, we. We went just just above him at that point. Yeah, even brilliant. even he himself tweeted about the NHS, and for the most famous, probably the most famous man in the world, 
um, one of them, uh, tweeting, suddenly it's on BBC Sky, etc. And it can only help your cause. Did he copy in that one minute briefs? No, oh, I should have done two. <laughs> yeah, you should have responded. Yeah, would have got hey, a few mate. more followers. Hey, maybe. Yeah, we just uh, we just uh, edit, edit that for us. Um, but if you look back at it, it's an amazing thing for him to have done, and it got us onto all these news platforms, and it got the NHS being talked about everywhere. Uh, and on Christmas Day, I'm sat with my mum watching the TV, watching the radio, and yeah, we <laughs> beat Justin Bieber to Christmas number one. And, amazing. And well done. I've able to. I've got a official chart number one trophy on the shelf at home. That's quite a big so, feather then to have in your cap then, isn't it, I'd say? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's, uh, you know, and him to show his support for, he's a supporter of the, that type of healthcare anyway. But yeah, that was uh, an amazing story and it was amazing to be able to give something back to the NHS because they pretty much saved my life in that yeah, year anyway. amazing. And I bet you met some amazing people on that journey, both your during your personal journey and then obviously doing the going through the whole filming and, and meeting well, all, the, all, the, all the great people who worked at NHS. When I was there, although it's horrific to be in hospital for a few weeks, I actually almost enjoyed the experience because I was cared for and I was all, I was giving myself too much stress as well. That's a, that's another interesting point that I don't do anymore. Mm. So you think you had a bit of a, a, an epiphany then, an epiphany moment when you are in hospital about life and about life in general? Probably, and I think the, the example I always think of, like if, if someone overtook me in a car or cut you up, you get annoyed. Uh, most people do. If it happens now, I just think, oh, nice one. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd have done the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you've got to let, just let things go and not get yourself too worked up by, by certain things. And I try and keep stress away from life as much as possible. Good. Nick, I could talk to you for hours. I think we're coming to a bit of a natural natural conclusion. Um, I'd like to finish the pod by just asking for a little bit of sort of your um, entrepreneurial expertise or creative. But I think if, if I was a young, budding creative trying to get into the industry, what piece of advice would you, would you give to me? Of course, I'm going to say this, but I would say do one minute briefs. Uh, I would say get involved in a community. If you try and create a portfolio of your own and try and go out there to your agencies, why not allow another platform to help you do that and a load of other people who are like-minded, friendly, positive, to help you achieve things and you can achieve things as a community and work together with other people. People will help you with those, getting your foot in the door at other places as well. One of the things when I first started out was um, was Gary Fawcett at TBWA, who's the creative director now at TBWA. He gave me, he couldn't get me in at TBWA at the time, but he gave me a lot of different contacts and that on a small scale. And also be your own brand, have your own brand. I've never been called Nick online. It's been the bank of creativity or one minute briefs. And over time, it's been much more scalable. And it helps you stand out a lot more. You need to be visible in the the industry, but also work together with other people, make contacts, get yourself out there uh, to differentiate yourselves. If you're graduating from Manchester, all the people that are graduating alongside you are your your rivals, Mm. essentially. But not only that, there are people from Leeds and all sorts of other areas that that are actually trying to get the same jobs. So how are you going to be different to them? You might not even be as good technically, 
But if you can overtake them through hard work and getting yourself noticed, that can serve you even better. Fantastic. So that's several great pieces of advice. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to uh, all the listeners hearing your story. Great. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Nick. Next week, I'm delighted to be joined by Manchester entrepreneur Arman Ahmed. He is the founder of a very exciting and unique business, Music for Pets. We'll be exploring how he spotted a gap in the market and capitalised on the rise of music streaming services to catapult his business to a global audience. This promises to be a great episode and we hope you can join us then.